Okay, we've just left Skakuza Rest Camp and uh, today, August the 23rd, 2016, we are going to make a podcast of the route along the Sabi River from Skakuza to Lower Sabi. And that's probably the busiest road in the park, um, and not without reason. Uh, it's very popular, very good for seeing game, there's usually a lot of stuff along the river. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have some exciting experiences to track what we see. Yes. Yeah, it's our second day in the Kruger. <coughs> Looking forward to the trip. Okay, so we're setting off on the road. It's a tar road that takes us all the way from Skakuza to Lower Sabi. Uh, it's a distance of 42 kilometers. But um, when one considers considers the driving speed in the park the, the maximum you can do is 50 kilometers an hour but um, if you're game viewing you tend to average much much slower 20 30 kilometers an hour because you're often stopping and uh, looking at things taking your camera out that sort of thing so um, you've got to give yourself a good couple of hours to, to make the distance so we might not have time this morning to go all the way there but halfway along the route is a tea room and picnic site known as Mkushlu, so we might make that our end destination. Okay, we've pulled over at the side of the road because there's a nice view through uh, the vegetation of the river, and um, there's a lot of bird activity down in the river. There's a grey heron, uh, quite a tall wading bird with a long dagger-like bill, yellowy-orange bill, um, and lovely black and white plumage on its neck and head stands about a meter above the ground um, and a lot of other Egyptian geese came past but uh, Pukela just picked up a pair of bushbuck in the undergrowth what how would you describe those animals oh it's two bushbucks a male and a female <coughs> the female one does not have horns and the male one has horns yes am I right Yes, and the horns are sort of, um, they're not straight, they're, they're spiraled, okay. um, twisted, not quite as dramatic as, as a kudu, but a sort of smaller version of that, and um, the female is a sort of pale brown color, um, quite like um, your Bambi uh, character, although Bambi was a deer and, and bushbuck or antelope, uh, but the male is a more sort of chocolate brown. Uh, with lovely white markings on its um, leg and underside and, and, and rump. Um, yeah, so they are quite quite beautiful and quite shy little animals, not um, as out in the open as, as your commoner things like impala and, and wildebeest. They tend to sort of um, stick to heavy undergrowth, hence the name bushbuck. And uh, yeah, they're quite common and quite wet, widespread. Um, around the country, down in the forested regions of the Southern Cape, you get them um, along the east coast and uh, in uh, the Bushveld zone, like here in, in the Kruger National Park. Okay, so we've only moved on about another 20 30 meters, and the nice thing about this uh, route is there's a lot of uh, little roadside pullovers where you go off the tar onto a little a dirt route that gives you a view over the river and um, at the last previous stop we were talking about the grey heron 
that way, uh, wading, aquatic wading bird that feeds on fish. Um, and it's quite a big bird, but it dwarfs into comparison with its its uh, cousin, the Goliath heron. And we've picked up a Goliath heron, and uh, named after the biblical character who was an enormous giant. And uh, this bird stands with, uh, close to two meters tall, a meter and a half to two meters tall, um, and it has a magnificent um, purpley color on its neck and and head and underparts and then its upper part is a slate gray so it's um striking plumage but yeah an enormous enormous bird and i think you were quite quite excited when you saw it just now pokello yeah an exciting bit very tall yeah and uh, they all feed on fish so they've got these dagger like bills so you can imagine them thrusting that into the water going through like a knife and, and spearing the fish that um, they feed upon but there's a, a lot of exciting little birds in the undergrowth um, I've picked up some blackback puffback and there's some little beaters that are feeding now little beaters are, um, are amazingly colorful little birds they've got a, a curved bill they're small um, probably not much bigger than a person's thumb but they're uh, a beautiful green color above and yellow below with um, a black a black bib and uh, they are birds that feed from perch so they as the name suggests they feed on bees and insects and that sort of thing and they'll perch and then they'll fly and catch some food and then come back to that perch so we should be able to, to see them although they're not in, you can hear them twittering but um, although they're not in view at the moment that they'll soon come back yeah there's a head of impalas ahead of us uh, I hear people saying that uh, the impalas are the McDonald's of the Kruger why are they saying that Chris? well there's two reasons one is because they're the commonest uh, mammal in the park so they're on every street corner so around every bush we've driven past quite a lot of them and we haven't stop to talk about them because they're so common but in actual fact they're amazingly beautiful animals and I'll come back to that but the real reason they're called McDonald's is look at their bums on their bums the, the animal is a sort of a, a rich chestnut brown on top then a paler brown on the sides and then underneath you've got a third color um, pale almost white but on the behind is a striking black M that looks exactly like the M on the McDonald's sign except it's not yellow it's black it's but black. against the the rest of the color of the animal you've got this big bright M so that is why the Impala is known as the McDonald's of the Bushveld. Oh, okay so they are walking I, I see I think there are 10 here what do they call them when they're walking are they it's a herd of impalas it's a herd of impala and a herd of most of most of the antelope but what's interesting about impala is um they form different types of herds in what's known as the rutting season okay. all the males get together and they fight for the right to take possession of a herd of females that they will breed with and they become the sort of uh 
alpha alpha male and and have their herd of, of or harem of, of females and then all the losers all the other males they get together and form a loose herd of a bachelor herd of of um sort of second-rate males who weren't able to to uh, get their mates um but at certain times of year when um when uh, hormones levels are down then they form more sort of loose uh, band uh, of herd so this herd is predominantly females with one or two males um, so it's yeah, uh, sort of mixed group at, at the moment but that's what we're seeing one thing ab about impala and as in most antelope is that uh, the males have horns um, and the female don't. The impala is a type of gazelle so it's a sort of medium-sized animal it's quite nimble and fleet-footed and they probably stand half a meter to three-quarters of a meter above the ground at shoulder height and they've got a long elegant shape um, long thin neck and uh, they're very graceful animals um, and the male's horns are slightly twisted so not straight um, and probably about half a meter in length when they're fully grown and um, the young males are known as pen horns because the, the horns come through straight and they look like sort of uh, pens that have been stuck on top of the head of, of, the, of the young male and then as we said before the females um, uh, don't have any horns at all that's one way to distinguish them Okay, we've come off on another one of those little river loops and there's not too much action down the river bed but at the end of the loop uh, there's two magnificent tall trees that are um, a type of tree known as a leadwood um, Latin name Combetum Berbe and uh, the one on the left is still f fully living and it's got that very rough bark that you can see there Pukela but the one on the right what can you tell me about that? Uh, the one on the right, I can see it's, uh, it looks like it's dying or something. I don't know much well, about that. All the bark has been stripped and what yeah. has happened here is an elephant has come along and, oh, okay. and they feed on the bark and they strip it off. They use their tusks and they pull these huge, you can see the ones that have fallen on the yes. side of the tree. Um, it pulls that off and uh, they've stripped all the way around the tree. So because of that, the tree will die. Okay. Um, and that's the kind of damage that elephant can do because we're in drought conditions at the moment you can see there's a tree that's been pushed over um, elephants can be quite destructive if their numbers um, well even if their numbers don't get too high that's just how they are they're big animals they need to, to feed and take in a lot of stuff but yeah there's a classic example of the damage that elephant can do by completely stripping the bark off so the tree on our left is um, a sort of a rich grey colour and it's got all those little rivulets in the bark and the one on the right is stripped so it's like a golden colour which is underneath the grey bark um, that's what happens when you sort of peel the bark away what you get left with and I said it was called leadwood the tree the reason it's called leadwood is because it's got a very heavy dense compact wood that um, if you put it in water it sinks most wood you put it in water it'll float but not the leadwood and that's how it got its name. Wow, we're very lucky we've just come across the leopard. Lying down, 
quite out in the open, quite exposed. I'm going to turn off. Describe to the listeners what you're seeing there, Pukelem. Oh, it's a leopard lying down and it's a fresh looking, very healthy leopard. Yeah, quite lying, a big one. So quite a big one lying down, relaxing. Yeah. And it seems it doesn't even notice that there are people looking at him. Yeah. Yeah. And a couple of cars have just driven past him. Yeah. Uh, which suggests they didn't spot him. Yes. Yeah, he seems very comfortable, very relaxed. And like you say, in quite good condition. Yeah. Now for those of the listeners who don't know what a leopard is, it's one of the big five, um, which are the five animals most um, desired to be seen by the public. And it's based on, um, in the olden days when there was big game hunting, they were seen as the five animals that were the most challenging to hunt and kill. So they're quite dangerous animals. Um, a medium-sized cat, um, a lovely golden-colored fur with um, not spots but rosettes on their pattern, sort of dark rosettes. And I think that open safari vehicle is driven right past the two. People aren't seeing it. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. This is a leopard sighting, boys and girls. Yeah, and you're missing it. It's lying down, people and it is in there. I think that we're stopping for something else. Yeah. They don't so see it. Yeah. It's four vehicles that have driven past. I've whipped out my camera in the meantime, so I'm going to take a couple of photographs. But um, I was telling Pakela yesterday that the Skakuza area has got one of the highest leopard densities on the planet, if not the highest. Um, so if you want to see leopard in the wild, uh, come to Skakuza. Now, he, the leopard's now lifted its head and actually it's not in as good condition as we thought. It's lost in the air. You see that, Pakela? It's only got the one ear. And I see. Take the bonnets. The one on the right, on its right, it's on our left. Yeah. It's right hand ear, um, on the left as we look at it. Um, it's got a missing ear. You see that? Yeah, I can see. So it's probably been wounded in that territorial fight with another leopard. Definitely got some damage there, and yet another car driving past. And oh no, they spotted it, I think. see just above it is that little uh, black bird that's known as a fork-tailed drongo and they're very bold and aggressive birds despite their small size okay. and uh, they're getting a bit agitated and showing the presence of the leopard but there he's looking straight back at us now and let's see his wounded head And he's up. So. 
but he is a big boy. That we were right about that. Big male leopard, and now skulking off. But apart from his missing ear, he seems to be in fairly good condition. Um, he's certainly been feeding well. He's not all emaciated. Um, so yeah, maybe he's just a, a battle-hardened dude who's um, been wounded in territorial fights. Good. Okay, we have stopped for a moment on the Sabi River high-level bridge, um, which is along the route between Skakuza and Lower Sabi, uh, because there's um, quite a lot of activity to describe to you. If you can hear that screeching in the background, that's a pair of pied kingfishers, little um, black and white birds that feed on fish and um, they are flying over the, the river at the moment but there's a lot of other activity there's um, there's a couple of hippopotamuses that are out of the water because it's still fairly cool it's a cool day uh, there's a couple of crocodiles in the water and quite a number of water birds uh, what else can you see for Pele? Anyway? yeah you can see two hippos the one on the outside the one lying down and next to the, there's an ox eater on top of the on top of the yeah an ox picker oh and ox picker. look at that brown bird that's flying down there that's yes. called a hummercorp oh, it's yeah. um, a type of bird that sort of feeds on frogs and 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 fish and things like that okay. oh there's one of the goliath herons look at that enormous yeah. big bird flying in yeah. um, but the hummercorp which means hammerhead is a crazy looking bird it's got this big fat um, head that looks like the top of a mallet um, and it's a uniform brown color and uh, it's just flown away but it's drifted out of sight but uh, yeah that goliath heron that we stopped and looked at earlier not the same one because we're quite a bit further down river but another one has landed but you're talking about the the hippo with the ox peckers oxpecker, yes. um, Oxpeckers are birds that feed on ticks and other parasites that that uh, feed on on the animals in the park. And um, most of the sort of, particularly the antelope, the buffalo, the rhino, um, giraffe, and here hippo are um, wonderful hosts for these birds. And they do a good job. So it's it's um it's not a case of of um, parasitism. It's a it's a case of mutualism with both animals benefit the the oxpecker gets um, a food source from the animals and the animals get their um, their bodies cleaned of, of parasites like ticks and and other things that that feed on their their, their blood um, and they're, they're a sort of medium-sized bird probably about the size of your clenched fist the sort of brownie color and there's two types in the park one called the red-billed oxpecker which uh, predictably has a red bill and then the yellow-billed oxpecker, which uh, has um, a yellow bill, um, and uh, the red-billed oxpecker are the commoner ones, um, and that's what we've got here feeding on the hippo. But look how that look how that Goliath heron is stalking yeah. across the rocks. <coughs> it feeds on, on on fish. It feeds on fish. Okay. But it's got such a wonderful way of walking and skulking okay. you can see how it's 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 got a long curved neck yes. and it's 
just wading across the rocks looking at the pools and if it sees a fish we'll see it sort of strike and it's got a sort of lightning strike it'll uncoil its neck and stab it into the water um, yeah and what's nice uh, because it's cooler conditions today there's quite a chilly wind uh, the hippo are a lot the sort of feeding period is, is a lot more and they're out of the water instead of being submerged to sort of escape the sort of rays of the sun um, so it's quite nice to see them out and foraging but, uh, I don't know if the listeners will be able to pick up the sort of running of the of the river here most of the river is quite a slow moving river but uh, it's just going over some rocks at the mo at this section of the river so it's sort of cascading down it's a real um, bubbling effect as the and fast moving water and churning in um, churning up as it goes over the rocks and then you can see just over that channel there's a lot of those aerial birds feeding those are swallows that have just returned from further up north in Africa where they've spent our winter um, and they'll come here for the for the summer months uh, where they'll breed then did you see that croc? There's a croc. Okay, you see where that little brown bird yeah. which uh, on the rock, that's yes. that's a water thickney. But then just behind it, if you pass the, the binox, let's check that it's still there. Yeah, about, um, probably about five meters, maybe a bit more, six or seven meters, um, there's a, a croc that looks like just a submerged log okay. um, and it's just lying in, in the water waiting for opportunities it feeds on fish it might feed it's not it's not a huge croc it's sort of a medium-sized croc you see it yeah it's, is it moving now oh, it's, just, it's, it's, it's yeah it's okay. just going under the water now okay. so you're quite right so I think the water is quite shallow now that, and that Goliath heron is now walking towards it um, so I suspect there's quite a bit of fish in those pools and both the croc and the heron are competing for the same <laughs> same meal the same meal okay we're still on the high level bridge we've just moved further further along the whole bridge in total is probably about 500 meters long um, and we were looking at the hippopotamus just now in the sort of main river channel but as you move further along at this time of year it's predominantly sandy dry conditions and in the middle of the river probably about 500 meters from where we are on the bridge there are a couple of lion doing what lions do best and just lying down having a snooze um, I can only see two female at the moment, lionesses, um, which suggests that there's probably a pride and uh, just the angle that we're at um, in terms of the contours um, of the ridge. Um, there's only those two in sight, but I suspect there'll be two or three more. But have you not seen them yet, Pukela? 
No, not yet. Okay. You see you've got that um, ridge that runs fairly straight along the whole length and then you've got sandy plain on the right of that side and then sandy plain on the left. If you just take the binoculars and go along, at the moment they're sort of lying down flat so it's very difficult to um, pick up any detail but if you get to You see that in the distance is that tall dark green tree. It's one of the, the tallest on the horizon. Then yeah. um, if you come just in, in front of it to that um, that ridge that goes along the riverbed, then that's where they're lying. Okay, Pakela and I have just spent the last 10 minutes for me trying to show him where the lions were lying down because they're just so camouflaged and they're not doing anything they're just lying there but we've moved a little bit further along the road on top of the bridge um, so we've got a slightly better angle so it wasn't just the ears that one could pick up it's now the full the full body yeah. but it was a hard slog but eventually he managed to locate them so what are you seeing now Pakela? Yeah, I see two female lioness lying down. Yeah, I can see them too. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I can't see them, Yeah, no, most of the time lion are pretty boring, they're just lying around, but, um, yeah, I mean, these two will probably be there all day. It's a cool day, so they're comfortable, they've got their spot, and I don't think there's going to be too much activity, but you never know. The way I saw them, I think they're still young. Maybe two, two or three years. Let's have a look. Yeah, you can have mm. a look. You can see them as big. Yeah, the one, oh, they're both actually sitting up now. They're up. Yeah. And they're looking away from each other. Mm, no, I think they're sort of mature adult females. Is it? Yeah. They just look small because they're so far away. Oh. Probably, like I said earlier, about four five hundred meters from where we are okay we had to change our route slightly uh, we were running out of time we got to the high-level bridge and we spent a lot of time there and also seeing the leopard earlier um, so instead of going on towards Lower Sabi we actually crossed the Sabi River and headed north and linked up with the um, the road back to Skukuza along the sand river and we've just stopped at the Mutlimuvi um, dry river bed which is also a bridge um, and we've got a wonderful view out over the sand river which is a non-perennial river that means that it doesn't flow all year round just in the rainy season so now in the winter time it's completely dry and it's just full as the name suggests of sand um, and there's a hippo carcass that is um, in the dry river bed below us and um, then there's a whole lot of vultures 
that have probably been feeding on that carcass and perhaps other carcasses in the area and, and are just trying to sort of take off but because it's not a warm day they're battling to become airborne so they're having to use the sort of wind to get enough uplift because vultures are very big heavy birds um, that struggle to get airborne and um, yeah so a whole lot of them are sort of lying down in the sand sort of preening themselves and others are using the sort of crosswinds to to try and, and take off and, and get airborne um, and the chances are with all the carcasses around that there might be one or two predators um, just lying in the shade of the trees Okay, we just pulled over at the side of the road because there's quite a curious but tiny little bird that's making its way through the roadside scrub. It's called a green-backed Camaropteran. And you can hear it's making that bleating noise. Its old name used to be uh, Bleating Bush Warbler. But uh, they've recently globalized the name and it's now called a green-backed Camaropteran. Tiny little bird with um, green back and grey cap on its head and then tailor underparts and it'll make that noise all day there but it's yeah you see it making its yeah. way through the undergrowth and just chattering away okay we just stopped on the low level bridge over the sand river there's a small little uh, pool of water and uh, it's very still running quite deep and we've just stopped and we're about 10 meters or so from a hippo it's just lying in the shallows and directly above it is a pied kingfisher just sitting on a branch waiting for opportunities to catch a fish there's also a terrapin on the far side oh and a big croc two big crocs and a black crake lots of activity um, Black crake is a tiny little uh, bird, uh, the size of a small chicken, that lives in reeds. It's a jet black <coughs> color, and it's got uh, yellow beak and red legs. It skulks in the shadows. The terrapin is a type of freshwater turtle that um, is found in sort of watery areas all around uh, the park. And the crocodiles we've talked about already, those prehistoric dinosaurs, but the one next to the terrapin is huge, looks as if it's probably about five meters long. You see it up against yeah, the... Yeah, I can see. Quick <coughs> uh, question. Since uh, crocodiles feed on, on meat, don't they eat uh, these hippos in, in, in the water? How do they both stay in the same water? Yeah, uh, the hippo going to start the engine because there's a car coming the other way. Um, the hippo are, are too big really for the, the crocodile. Okay. Um, I would imagine that there's possibilities that a sort of young baby hippo um, might well be taken by the odd croc in when times are tough but there seems to be almost a mutual understanding between hippos and crocs that they they um, leave each other alone. Um, also, with crocs not having um, having a sort of complex 
tooth thing they've only got sort of shredding um, teeth that they will use to sort of grip their prey they would probably struggle to um, manage to break down a hippo carcass but having said all that um, when a hippo dies in uh, in water areas and I've seen this the crocs do feed on the hippo carcass um, but they have to get hold of some flesh with their jaws and then they twist around um, that's the only way they can sort of uh, tear off okay. some strips of meat uh, for them to, to swallow but uh, yeah I have seen that and they actually sort of will hollow out inside the hippo carcass and, and eat the sort of softer inside bits that are um, that are there and uh, yeah but I don't know about ever actually catching the hippo okay anyway and I'm just looking now there's a little tiny bird known as chin spot battis you see it oh, yeah. a little black and white bird with um, a chestnut band across its white white breast and it's got quite a quite a characteristic call I think um, keep the recorder running because I think if we lucky we might get to hear it it makes it call three blind mice also a tiny little bird and um, much bigger than the size of your thumb and they tend to move around in feeding flocks where um, they sort of will eat insects and stuff that they can glean along the leaves and branches of trees and they very often uh, feed in mixed parties with other other bird species so if you're out in the bush and you're looking for birds um, and you come across feeding group of, of different species of birds. The chin spot battis is very often um, one of the types that is, is found in those groups. Okay, we've just stopped next to the side of the road, next to one of the commonest but um, prettiest uh, birds that are found throughout Kruger. It's called a lilac breasted roller. Uh, this one's just got its back to us at the moment but it's got a, an amazing uh, lilac, light purple uh, throat and then a sort of cinnamon color on its sort of side of its face and then azure blue on the back of its neck and at the end of its wings and on its tail and then a big fluffy white eyebrow um, so yeah, a real combination of vivid bright colors and especially when you see it in direct sunlight it's an incredibly beautiful bird um, quite a long elephant tail um, not ele elegant tail 
and the reason it's called a roller is that when it's breeding and displaying it's got a wonderful uh, display flight where it sort of tumbles in midair um, doing sort of cartwheels and rolls and hence the name roller and uh, the lilac breasted roller is found in the park throughout the year there are four other species of roller that you get in the park one of them is migratory and only found here in in the um, in the northern winter or summertime uh, that's the European roller which isn't quite as colorful uh, so our resident lilac breasted roller is the most colorful of all